I'm Lainey Sullivan. Hello, I'm Jameson Price. We are Holy River, and this, this room, room sounds, sounds great. great. A baby threw up on my accordion once. We uh, found out a food forest a few years ago in Southside, Fonacella Food Forest. We go and take them on the trails, and we go wild harvesting, and we show them how to harvest pawpaws. We hadn't brought our instruments to Spain, and he was like banging on everything, and it was really annoying. We want to be our spiritual friends, punk friends, and our punk friends, spiritual friends. Well, I only know how to play all of our things by muscle memory. Hi, hello, how do you do? Thank you so much for tuning into This Room Sounds Great. Today, we are joined by Lainey and Jameson of Holy River. I'm going to let you guys introduce who you are, what you do in the band, and tell us your style of music, because this one is super interesting and unusual. Ooh, uh, I'm Lainey Sullivan, and I am a vocalist, but also play harmonium and uh, ukulele and guitar and... Um, some I play the bells with my feet <laughs> while playing. And so, yeah, I'm a multi-instrumentalist. And um, I'm Jameson Price. I play uh, percussion. I sing, play mouth harp, draw harp, uh, bells and banjo and various other instruments as well. And we're kind of like a earth folk drone pop is kind of what we call ourselves. Stomp twang. Stomp twang. Uh, Chant. Drone pop. Indie. Indie folk. Experimental. Yeah. It's a hard fusion. It's a hard question. <laughs> Thirteen just, adjectives just later. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am familiar with you guys. I saw you play at the National a few years ago. I believe the No BS Brass Band played. Yeah. I can't remember what the event was. That was the um it was a protest event. Okay. It okay. was um for water. Oh, a rally, a water rights water, rally. That's what it was. Yep. Um, it was an anti-pipeline event. Okay. And I remember walking into the space. It hadn't quite filled in yet. We we did the walk, or the march, and then the space hadn't quite filled up yet. And I walked in, and I remember seeing James on stage, and I said, he's playing with every limb. <laughs> and it was so cool because there are so many things that you can talk about with musicians with regards to their instrument posture and feeling and everything else but the fact that you were playing with every limb of your body was just so remarkable to me well there's uh, just two of us i mean sometimes there's three but when there's just two of us which is mainly when we tour we try to sound like two and a half or three people maybe mm -hmm. even four um, we like to to try to move as many parts of our body as we can so that we can sound bigger. I love it. I love it. And then we ran into each other again at some art space on the south side. I believe it was called Plant, the Plant or Plant, oh, Z Plant Zero. Zero. Plant Zero. For and Earth you had it, you guys had just come out with Holy River. You had just changed your name. Oh, mm -hmm. and it was, was it was a little event at the gallery. That was that was great. That was a the Environment at Risk Art Show. So it was all environmental art, and we were playing in front of those giant puppets. Yes. That was like at the installation of the giant puppets mm -hmm. and everyone was like crowded into the hall. Oh, that was such that was a, a great special show. It was special cool. Show. Yeah, a friend of mine had a neat exhibit with a fish tank and I didn't quite grasp what the concept was, but <laughs> everybody had their voice. <laughs> um, now, I love your style of music. I am familiar from living in San Francisco with your style. They're not terribly similar. Uh, wah. I oh, like I know Wah personally. Okay, okay. Yeah. I love her music and uh, Krishna Das. Yeah. So let's just start with a sample since it is so unusual, since we can't put you in the blues, rock, pop, soul sort of category. So here's a little snippet so everybody can just get an idea. 
So neat instruments, lovely sound. One thing that resonates for me with the type of music that you play is when I first started getting into music in other languages, just French or Lebanese, and having a feeling about it, not even knowing what they were saying, not even knowing what the verbal message was, but the music message. So then when I got into Kirtan and, and that sort of music like Wah and Krishnadas, it was just on that level for me where I don't know what they're saying if they're speaking Sanskrit. Is that usually what they're yeah. chanting? Yeah, obviously I don't know what it means, but it's the sounds themselves that raise the vibration or they're reflective or contemplative. So what what do you hope people feel when they're listening to you? This type of music is very spiritual. It's not just filling the room with a lovely sound and getting you on your feet or maybe touching you if you've had heartbreak and you can relate or falling in love and you can relate this is a whole different dimension. That's why I wanted to take just a couple of minutes to set that up, that it's speaking to a deeper facet of everybody, which I think is incredible. Well, thank you. I'm very moved by your your <laughs> comment. Um, yeah, I, I, we are very informed by the sonic, the phonetics of language and how important it is and how drawing things out, drawing the words out can in a way, it's funny, I'm speaking, I'm talking about it, and I like have my mask on. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like speaking about the phonetics. Um, enunciation. Enunciation, <laughs> all muffled. But what, what we strive to do is to, to bring that essence in English, because I think people fantasize about what's exotic. It helps them connect with something that, that they didn't have access to otherwise in their mother tongue. My my personal work has been to work with the words and help them transcend and help people think of words in, in English in different ways, too, and connect with them. Because then they can connect with what we're actually saying. What we're saying is equally as important. We believe, like a lot of people in these traditions, the Kirtan tradition, they're, they're chanting mm. mantras, things to manifest things in life. And in the same way, we do believe that singing, especially for us, because it's our practice, it's our work, that it's powerful to be really intentional about the words that you're sharing and singing every single day, not only for other people who listen to it, but for ourselves and our own personal growth. So we try to envision before we write albums what kinds of people we want to be and and what kind of world we want to see and then sing about that okay so it's less about personal experience and journey you'd say and more about what you want to emote it's like both it, okay. i mean okay. it is personal journey but it's it's absolutely connecting to what you were talking about that kind of deeper step that next step outside of just the surface we definitely are, are try to spend a lot of time being mindful about our lyrics and what we're trying to call to and what we're saying and why we're saying it and Especially with like what Lainey just said, we're going to be saying this over and over and over again. So let's be really intentional and be really clear about why we want this to be the message. So I think we just spend a lot of reflection on what we're trying to cultivate, you know, humbly. Normally I ask musicians uh, what their favorite thing about the Richmond music scene is. And I can still ask you, but I imagine the landscape of your music scene, given the genre you are, has to be completely different because it's, and maybe it's not, you know, I never thought I'd see you guys at the National and there you were. So maybe you do play at all of the venues. Maybe I'm I'm not, maybe I'm not thinking. I think we do. Right. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, and it's also, I mean, 
the cool thing about Richmond is it keeps us grounded and it keeps us real and it keeps us experimental and it keeps us kind of edgy and punk. So like, yeah, we do, we've opened for Krishna Das, but we're like this weird folky indie, what are we these people, you know? We've (laughs) also played at like punk basements in Richmond. So, you know, it's, I think it's a little bit of both. And I've said this before, but like kind of a personal phrase of ours we like to have is we want to be our spiritual friends, punk friends and our punk friends, spiritual friends. Spiritual maybe isn't the right word, but just mindful or something. Just like this balance. And I do think Richmond really holds that. And it just even holds it in its access to nature, right? There's this deep intrinsic connectivity that that you can access in Richmond just by going to the river. And just by unplugging for a moment, there is this kind of macro, brilliant, like nature connective thing that can happen here in the city. And then you can go right back into it and it can be gritty and it can be edgy and, and experimental and artistic. The same way the city holds a balance is like, I think what we're trying to do with our music too. The collaboration amongst the arts community is amazing. And we've always been organizing DIY shows and supporting other bands in that way that we're all on the same level. And we're doing a collaboration. I think we're going to perform and record with Dumbwaiter, who is this like, how would you describe Dumbwaiter? A local band. That is like, like j- free jazz, jazz, hardcore fusion, hardcore, yeah, hardcore fusion oh, band. So heavy jazz. Yeah. Kind of, it's sort of like a Naked City meets like math rock kind <laughs> of, you know, vibe, John Zorn. It's great. And I mean, we both come from different musical backgrounds in Richmond. I, I used to play in punk and hardcore bands and Lenny used to play in old timey bands. And so this, this city has definitely like helped us feel connected to our musical selves through a bunch of different genres. And it's a really collaborative scene. So you mentioned the river, of course, which, mm-hmm. you know, runs right through us. Uh, so let's touch on that. You have a lovely collaboration with a friend of the studio, Craig Martin. He has a show called The Good Road, and you guys collaborated with him in season two. Tell me about what that partnership was about. Craig had been wanting to incorporate us into The Good Road for many years. We didn't know how to do it the best way. But then one day he called me and it just clicked. And he was like, I want to do a show that's about the James River. Can you help me craft this story about the health of the river and different people along the watershed who are doing different kinds of work to protect the river? And you'll be some of the featured people because we've done a lot of work trying to protect the river from coal ash, wastewater. Pipeline crossings. Pipeline crossings, things like that. So. I do know a lot of um, different situations that are happening with the river and we were able to consult with them to help connect with them with some some other folks. And I think it's going to be a really, really amazing episode. I'm really excited to see how it turns out. When is that one being broadcast? Sometime maybe in August. Okay. Yeah. And, and they're doing great things on the good road and they're mm-hmm. gaining momentum and they're gaining sponsorships and they're gaining yeah. a following. So we couldn't be more excited. And it's really cool. They're doing it in August because they filmed us in August of last year. And so if it, it does air in August, especially the end of August on and during our episode, we go and take them on the trails and we go wild harvesting and we show them how to harvest pawpaws and eat pawpaws and how we find like chicken of the woods and we Mm -hmm. we show them how to harvest chicken of the woods. And those things are all available and bountiful in late August. So it'd be nice if you like a full circle. That'd be great. Mm -hmm. I discovered pawpaw in West Virginia for the first time. And then when we got home, we were on, on vacation for the week or whatever, and we got home we realized we had some across the creek in our backyard. This was down in Gloucester. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they were delicious. They're so incredible. And then Chicken of the Woods, I know, is a mushroom. Are those the lion, the same thing as the lion type? 
mushrooms? It's different. The okay. lion's mane ones lion's are mane. like the longer stringy okay. ones. These are like the big orange ones that grow at the bases okay. of trees. The lion's mane have such substance that I've breaded them and almost made what feels like a chicken cutlet oh out of them. Gosh. They're amazing. Chicken in the woods, mm-hmm. too. Jameson will make chicken of the woods oh. barbecue and just like stew it down with, with homemade sauce. And, and oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. And lion's mane, I like to make like mock crab cakes. Oh, yeah. I it's can really see that. good for that. Yeah, I have friends who grow them and they have the little bird cage with the mister and oh, wow. <laughs> they tend to it on a regular basis. It's really cute. Yeah. So what has been one of the most memorable performances for you and what made it such? This is one that comes to mind. That's one of my favorites. There have been so many amazing experiences that we've had performing that it's really, we've been performing for over 10 years, touring, playing 200 shows a year. So it's really hard to say one show, wow. but... Not this this year. Not this year. Right, right, right. (laughs) Well, when I moved to Richmond four years ago, your name was everywhere. When you had your previous band name, Mm -hmm. you were everywhere. It was great. Yeah. So we were touring in 2019 and we saw this poster for this festival in Poland. We were on the border of Germany and Poland. It was called Festival de la Conciencia Colectiva, which is funny because it's in Spanish, but it's a Polish festival. But (laughs) we... We went to the to the this Polish festival and we had asked them, we wrote them on Facebook and we were like, hey, we're this band from the United States. Could we just play randomly at your festival? And they were like, yeah, come. And so we set up in the dining area where everybody was eating and it started pouring rain. And so ev- all the people that were outside started collecting into this pavilion space and we played and just watching people experience us for the first time always trips me out because it's just so fun to mm-hmm. just watch them be like, what in the world is happening right now? And then Jameson will start playing the mouth harp and then they're like, really, what is happening? Like, I, <laughs> I'm the same tour. Yeah, we played in like this giant circus tent for a bunch of activists who had just taken over a coal mine and there were like 300 German activists around us and they were having the same experience of like, who are these people? And it was just, it was so cool. I love that so much. Yeah, I like the transporting vibe. I can't even pin it down to one specific place because I feel like I like the collection of shows that end up happening when we tour. I like that we can play a brewery, we can play a house, we can play a health and wellness studio, we can play a traditional venue, we can play a bar at like 2 a.m. And we do have a very specific way that we kind of play and invoke emotion on folks. And it, it can land in so many different ways at different times. I remember we played the bar in Florida one time. We ended up playing. Uh, there was a collection of people there for a memorial for a friend who had passed. And then it was just like our music ended up kind of being the perfect setting for them to oh. come and tell us that it facilitated, you know, them feeling like there was healing involved. We didn't know that was what right. was going to happen. And so just those moments that intertwine like that and kind of um, sync up or what I really love about like playing music and it being synchronistic. I would say that if you're going to travel the world and play music, yours could be the most unifying if people aren't used to it. I think music from around the world, people might have a preconceived idea of what they associate that music with. So you hear bluegrass, you think the mountains, you just have an idea of, oh, those people like that music or country music or punk or thrash metal. If you are playing to an audience who isn't familiar with those genres, if they hear it, they might associate it with someone they knew who liked it or that type of person who likes that music. Mm -hmm. And it may put them off. But I would say your music is universal and unifying. So even if it's unusual and they've never heard it, 
I don't think that there's any preconceived notion for them to say, this, this is that type of music where they could kind of write it off. And because it does have a spiritual, harmonial feel to it, it's unfamiliar, but I bet everyone leans into it. I'm sure there are people who don't. Who don't? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. But it's just, I don't know that anybody would hear it and think, oh, this is that type of music and this is that type of person who would hear it. And Absolutely. So, and yeah. so there's a resistance because most people have a resistance to things that are unusual. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And people meet it with intrigue. Right. Yeah. And yeah. curiosity. Mm-hmm. That, thank you for thank you for mm-hmm. making that very concise. Yes. And that's actually what I love. I'm glad you said that because yes. I think it's like it, the mystery for us is really a big influence for our music and the whole mysterious events of everything. And so giving somebody a door or avenue to be able to just go into that mystery and question either what are we doing or then leading to questions about what am I doing? What's anything doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, is, yeah, I'm there for it. Mm-hmm. Now, what kind of music do you each listen to that inspires you? Oh, we, Who are some of your favorite artists? Are they in this genre, outside the genre, spherical it's a lot of different genres. We, I think we listen to a lot of folk. I listen to a lot of jazz. And I'll listen to hardcore and punk when I'm alone. We listen to a lot of the radio, honestly, especially in Richmond. Mm-hmm. A lot of WRRR and mm-hmm. WNRM <laughs> and a lot of the local radio stations. And there's such great jazz at night. On which station is that? That's the jazz station at night. 107.3. It's You're so talking about good. the uh, NPR syndicate or whatever. The and VPM music. Yeah. Those are all great friends of the studio, yeah. Yeah, so we're we're really listening to a lot of just what's immediately being presented to us. For me, like I I love folk music. I love listening to my friends' folk bands because I know the stories of their music. But I also love like Jose Gonzalez and Sushan Stevens and. We have a collection of like uh, CDs or vinyl or cassettes that we've gotten from people when we were traveling and through other artists. And so I yeah I do think we listen to a lot of musicians we played with along the road. I love flamenco music. We were listening to that on the radio on the way here. I used to live in southern Spain in Granada, and I would hang out in the middle of the night. They have these caves where the gitanos still like play flamenco until three o'clock in the morning. And you can just go and they have bars. And I would go and get a glass of vino tinto and just like sit and smoke hand-rolled cigarettes and watch them play in flamenco all night and not talk because I was still learning Spanish at that point and I didn't want to blow my cover even though I probably already blew my cover yeah that something brings me back when I hear flamenco it's just like so gritty I love its grittiness and that's something that I really even though our music's soft and yeah has that like spiritual element it also has like a grittiness and like a fire and a a rough edge because I think that's part of the spiritual process too is like being able to hang with those feelings because you need to have them as tools. They're not always pleasant. You mentioned that you guys, you dabble in some activism and conservancy. What other interesting hobbies and and outside interests influence what you do? We're really connected in the community and our, uh, where we live and do quite a bit. We uh, founded a food forest a few years ago in Southside, Fonacella Food Forest. And uh, Lainey is involved in Food Not Bombs and food distribution in the city as well. There's a lot of community things that we're still involved in. 
we live in a place called Earth Folk and we do a lot of gardening and try to do more sustainable living practices. We have some really cool landmates who are artists like all the Saints Theater Company who do the Halloween parade. They just moved all the puppets on the land with us. So we also have the puppet barn full of puppets that are landmates and our um, landmate Josh is a writer and always inspiring us. It's creatively collaborating with the folks who are around us is is such a joy, especially in COVID when our circles get smaller and smaller, Mm -hmm. that at least like if you have a dynamic relationship with your circle, that you can still make cool things together and be inspired, even this like weird time. We have to. So let's circle back to the instruments. How do you acquire them? What, What draws you to them? Where have you found them? When we first started playing, actually, I was playing guitar and Lenny was playing accordion and we were doing a cross-country tour and we were in California. And I think that's the first place that Lenny ended up playing the harmonium. Actually, the first time I played the harmonium was in Argentina, in Buenos Aires, living at a Hare Krishna commune outside of Buenos Aires. They had a, a harmonium there. But then, yeah, then we were in California and I encountered the harmonium again but i had been playing the accordion which is like very similar well, they're in the same family yeah. actually so it's you what know, is the, the biggest difference well uh, so a harmonium is flat and it pumps from the back and you can set drones on it and things but it was a travel instrument from germany and from france by missionaries a lot of these pump organ type of things that you either pumped with your feet or pumped with your hands turned into the accordion the harmonium all these other type of pump reeded instruments and yeah so, they're all in the same family sure and um and the harmonium is actually much easier to play than the accordion, which is awesome. And one of the reasons why I started playing it, but also because it tends to have a lower register. And I didn't realize for the first three years of our band that I actually am an alto. I was always like singing. Jameson was the primary songwriter and I was just singing harmony. And it wasn't until I got the harmonium that I started writing songs in my register. And I found that voice that you hear when you listen to our music. That's like that really deep voice. When I found it, I was like, whoa, (laughs) who's that? That's incredible. (laughs) We were all like, whoa, who's that? (laughs) And then the transition, I think, from Lainey becoming the main song singer was, uh, it was easy to decide. Oh, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. And what are their instruments? I play a tenor banjo, which is actually uh, Lainey's great-grandfather's tenor banjo that we had restored. I play it in an open D, so in a like a lap dulcimer tuning. And pretty much play it like a lap dulcimer. Okay, and, mouth harp. And then mouth harp. I'll play both a, a jaw harp and a Vietnamese style uh, Dan Moy mouth harp as well. And that's just like also, you know, the large family of vibrating mouth instruments. And have I, you collected those from around the world as well? Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I bought Jameson the mouth harp when we were in Spain together. We were about to part ways and he was going to go walk the Camino de Santiago de Compostela, which is an ancient pilgrimage mm-hmm. route through northern Spain. He did the route through Portugal, the Camino Portugues, and I bought it for him so he would have something to play because we hadn't brought our instruments to Spain. And he was like banging on everything and it was really annoying. <laughs> and so I was like, you just need something and you could just so easily put it in your pocket. And so he, I guess you taught yourself walking the Camino. Yeah, I taught myself I was walking and the Camino would play it quite a bit. I love it. Mm-hmm. What are your favorite instruments? I mean, the banjo that was her great-grandfather sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. But what are your favorites? And is it your favorite because you like the sound, because it has a story, because it's just joyful? 
I mean, my harmonium is like my baby. Mm. I, I mean, we went to India to get it. And I played every single harmonium in the harmonium shop. And the guy selling it was not happy that <gasps> I was like, wanted to play more and more. Because I wanted to find the deepest harmonium, the like lowest register that I possibly could find. And found this really spectacular sounding harmonium that is irreplaceable. And every time it works, it continues to work through the crazy weather that we travel through and through dust and through getting sand in it. And I, every time I, I play it and it still sounds good. Do you personalize any of these instruments? Is there anything you can do to either engrave or change the sound or how do you make them your own? Well, with the banjo, I did that, the tenor banjo, you know, just changed the tuning so it could be like a lap dulcimer. And we definitely do experiment with all kinds of different tuning for guitar. And I think what I like most about music is the drone quality and that kind of connective undertone. There is something that just sort of happens internationally when you look at like folk music or reflective music in terms of drone and heartbeat in rhythm. And you can see that in old-timey music. You can find that in, you mentioned Kirtan, you can find that in uh, even just choral music as well. There are these sort of universal techniques that just end up transcending and being seen everywhere. And I do think that kind of drone heartbeat transporting to a primal part of ourselves. Whenever I hear it, I can't like not feel transported by it. We also sometimes play non-traditional instruments, like in the set. Jameson's going to play a mason jar oh, right as on. a drum. Right on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> he's turned the vases, like metal vases into... Like a hand pan like almost. Hand pan, yeah. yeah. Like there was a vase that we found at a home and garden store that we dented notes into so that it would sound in tune with itself. I have been fascinated with the tongue drum lately. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Just have listening you seen the to hong? The... No. <gasps> Go yeah, on. Yeah, those things are great. The it's hand pan like, or hong drum. It's just one of the most magical sounds ever. They're so It's soothing. like a tongue drum, but it's like even more, I feel like because the way it, that it's shaped, it's even. It's a deeper resonance. It's a deeper resonance, yeah. yeah. Because of the tongue drum, right, it's like creating the note and there's that gap. And so the resonance just doesn't last as as long or, or the frequency doesn't extend as far as like on the hand pans or the hung drums where they're, the notes are dented in. It's kind of like a bell. There's You're no playing hole. a bell yeah. in, in different parts. Oh. Mm -hmm. We have a friend named Peter Levitoff. I'll send you his his album. But he's an amazing hung drum player. He's based out of Gainesville, Florida. And we play with him sometimes when we're in Gainesville. We'll collaborate on on songs and, and jam together, which is magic. Where in the world are people most responsive to your sound? I mean, I think... In Europe, people, I mean, because we're just, we're American, so it's that, like, exotic thing. You're just different. They're extra enamored. I mean, we but, find receptive folks anywhere, you know, wherever. We're going to find the community where we go, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, mm -hmm. we, we've gotten really good at finding, I would say, finding our people in all the little, <laughs> like, nooks and crannies. Because uh, we like to play a lot of intentional communities mm -hmm. and art spaces, DIY arts, community spaces, Places where people are growing food, practicing being more connected to the earth. Generally, in those communities, it's even community garden sometimes into into our music because they get it, they get the intention. Because every single song that we write is about humans needing to be more connected with with mm -hmm. the earth. That's the main 
message theme. of all. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, yeah, you'll hear it when we when we're playing. So, given that your music is powerful, your instruments are unusual. The sound is to evoke emotion. Have you guys had any crazy, funny mishaps on stage, or any story of traveling with these instruments that were just noteworthy? Or a baby threw up on my accordion once. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, we have toured and been playing music for so long that we have had like so many things happen. We played a music festival once in Florida and I was playing mouth harp and it was uh, a stage that was pretty low to the ground and people were just dancing, dancing, dancing because the mouth harp was just real stompy and people were getting down all primal style. And when I got off stage, oh, and there was dust everywhere, right? So they're kicking up dust, kicking up dust. And when I got off stage, and I looked in the mirror, there was like a, a mark where my hand had been, where I was playing the mouth harp and everywhere else was just dust, right? So you could see the imprint of where my hand had just been and dust was just everywhere. And we found dust in our case and in our harmonium, like for years after that. We were, that we were playing a show in North Carolina and Jameson was getting down on the mouth harp and he cut his lip open and he bled all over his drum and his face and he was like dripping blood and people were like whoa it's actually pretty common until i build up the callus it might even happen at this shaco session it's like i i need it to break once and then the callus builds up and then the rest of the tour is fine oh my goodness I never would have thought of those incidences. <laughs> the baby the baby vomit on the accordion would probably yeah. send me over the edge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> blood is like blood, sweat, and tears for your craft. Baby vomit, not so much. Well, I don't even funny. know I, why that kid was so close to I me. I mean, in the, <laughs> I remember the show in North Carolina when it did, when it was the worst like bloody mouth thing and it was spraying blood and we were like, well, we had to do that. We're from Richmond in honor of Guar, you know, we had to, <laughs> All right. we had to come and... <laughs> Spray blood everywhere. There we go. <laughs> it's just part. That's part of it. There we go. <laughs> Have you achieved success as artists? And if not, what were that's what are your funny goals? Question. <laughs> <laughs> I feel. Yeah. I mean, I never thought that this was going to be my life. So it's such a mind trip to me when that it's real, and especially with COVID, not having performed live for so long, it's almost like there's this other part of me that I'm not interacting with. It's like I disassociate from who I am when I'm performing, especially on those like really big stages where your voice is like echoing across the mountains and it's just so powerful. But I almost like don't see it as myself. I just like get into my state of having to like focus on articulating the song and and pronouncing the words and singing it the best that I can, which is just totally a body experience, not a mind experience. And so, yeah, it's interesting. It's, I feel like I'm multiple people. Yeah. That time traveling while playing is a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, It is is a lot of fun. And I, I mean, I wish that for everyone, for anyone who kind of. You mean where time stops sort of thing? Yeah. You know, I'm, it's like when you find that thing, whether it's art or music, and you just are in the zone, the and then time just kind of becomes yes. irrelevant, is is an incredible experience. And it's a, a humbling and meditative and very deep experience that sometimes you don't even realize you're participating in how impactful it can be on you until you're like separated from the moment. I've had the headphones on editing a, an audio file before, and 
I partially noticed the light change, how it was daytime, went to nighttime, didn't care, just kept moving, kept moving. And a friend dropped by. She had texted me, but I didn't see it because I had everything on Do Not Disturb. <laughs> and when, the, when she knocked on the door, I could kind of hear it. It was far off. And then when I finally went to the door, she said, you were looking through me. She said, you weren't even looking at me. I was so engrossed in what I was doing. And I was so excited about creating a piece that would be great for the listener, just chopping up Mm -hmm. an audio file, a Mm two-hour conversation, making it comprehensive. But she said, you had this dazed look. She said, your pupils were dilated. (laughs) And she said, I wasn't sure if I needed to stay and check on you. And she said, you just kept saying, I just have to finish this file and and I'll get back. <laughs> I'm just transcending space and time it right now. Just... <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> so I don't think about it really as like success because it's just already transcendent. It's I'm already just a, a transcendent joy. Any brings you daily joy. Yeah, that it already I brings joy. I we try, I think, really hard to just keep ourselves in check from this like mentality of exponential growth. And that's not to knock anybody else's like visions or like desires. But for us personally, we just sort of feel like we want to just keep checking in. Are we happy? Are we making the best art that we can possibly make that we're proud of? And can we just daily feel like we are still enjoying what we're doing and how we're doing it? Although there's those temptations to want to be, you know, air quotes bigger or or on a certain stage or on a certain show. The variety that we get to perform at right now um, from like a large festival stage to like a backyard fire pit at a commune, I don't know if I would have the same access to joy if I didn't have part of that variety for me and in my music and how I'm playing it. I, I think we try to really keep ourselves in check with that conversation. To have goals and to try to grow is really important, but that kind of forced mentality. I remember the goal. Okay, yes. cool. <laughs> My goal is to be an old lady and to still be doing what I'm doing. I want to like still be performing when I'm an elder, mm-hmm. like Krishna Das has been able to do, except even though like his voice is struggling. And I think maintaining vocal health throughout your whole life can be really difficult. But I've also heard, you know, my mom say that like she thinks that her voice is better than it's ever been. She's in her 60s. So at this level, I'm happy as long as I like to tour around the world and play to communities and meet cool people that are really like moving culture and like making art and making communities that that I'll be happy. Yeah, that's that's my dream. (laughs) That's incredible. And the daily gratitude. Do you have any pre-show rituals? Don't drink any carbonated beverages. (laughs) (laughs) or alcohol really i used to like drink alcohol before shows especially when you're playing at breweries and and you just have alcohol flowing everywhere it's so easy to be an alcoholic if you're a musician yeah i gave up i think anything alcohol (laughs) we can we can name it you name it and it's it's accessible and i think all of those indulgent things whether it be cannabis or alcohol we try to limit for performance time sure. and then indulge afterwards. And that's not everyone's style or, or way, but... Uh, you don't want to forget things like that. You don't want the details to be fuzzy afterward. Well, I only know how to play all of our things by muscle memory. Like, I don't actually... If I, like, look at the keyboard and someone's like, show me where the keys are for this song, I'd be like, hmm, I don't know. You just go on autopilot. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And if I drink too much, my autopilot gets mixed mixed up. <laughs> and so I'll like just randomly forget how to play a song in the middle of a show. And I'll just have to stop and be like, um, sorry, Jameson. 
Let's take a moment to reflect. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, where can people go for more information? Uh, they can go to either our website or our Bandcamp. So, uh, HolyRiverMusic.com is the website, and HolyRiver.Bandcamp.com would be our Bandcamp. If you really want to get to know us, you can follow our Instagram. That's where we share the most on our Instagram stories, most insights into our life. Beautiful. And you're going to be with us soon, and I can't wait. Yeah, and we have our violinist playing with us, which is extra special, too. Incredible. Who's yeah. that? Jessica Blanks. Okay. She's this brilliant violinist in town, and and we're just so lucky to have her play with us. And she, she adds, like, the absolute fullness to that. And we're going to be playing some brand new things that we potentially will be releasing later. And so we're going to play some classic old songs that people have missed, hopefully, and then some some really exciting new things. Fantastic. We're very much looking forward to it. I Thanks. can't wait. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to like us, follow us, and subscribe to us on all the usual suspects. And also be sure to tune in every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. to Shaco Sessions Live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. That's a wrap. This episode of This Room Sounds Great was recorded and mixed by Matthew Mixes.